Welcome to the Southland Podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. We trust that this podcast will encourage and equip you in your walk with God. Now, you got your thinking cap on? We want to end on time today so you can get a bite to eat and get on the road as soon as you need to. And uh, But let's start this morning with you thinking. We're talking about communication. So how many verses can you think of that have to do with communication, the tongue? All right. Now, there's a ton of them. But to put your thinking cap on, you got to raise your voice so we can all hear you. But uh, what? Uh, how many can you think of? Okay, we got one right away. Set a watch over my mouth, keep the door of my lips. How many all agree that's a pretty good verse? Yes, it is. All right, give me some more. Keep that tongue from speaking evil, or keep that tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. These are good. These are good. Two so far is great. Give me, give me a third one. Okay. Put the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. Psalm 1914. Very good on that one. What else? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to read that here in just a moment in the text. All right, anybody else? Yes, way back there. That's Ephesians 4. Yes, all right. Yes, sir. These are good. These are good. Oscar, you got one back there? I see you looking them up. You looking them up. <laughs> Give me one, Oscar. You got one? That's a good verse, isn't it? That's that's good. That's really good. You know, we often think of corrupt communication. If you, you know, you have children, you're like, you know, don't talk like that or Somebody's cussing, so you don't talk like that. But in the context of that verse, corrupt communication is the opposite of edification, of building up. And so what he's talking about there is it's corrupt when I tear down. It's corrupt when I bite, when I devour, when I hurt with my tongue. What I should be doing as a believer is building up, right? And edifying, edifying, and ministering grace. I serve grace. How many of y'all have opportunities in your marriage to serve grace to each other? You ever have those opportunities? And that's what he's telling us to do there. We, we meet each other's needs. Any other verses come to your mind? Yes, sir. All right. And that's a, that's a, a good one, too, because talking about prayer there, talking to God. All right. You got any others? I know it's early. I know you had a busy, busy night, late night. All that chocolate over there helps you sleep well, didn't it? And uh, those games. And yes, ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> the multitude of words, the more you talk, the greater your opportunity to sin is what he's, <laughs> what he's saying right there, right? Uh, do y'all know this one? Do y'all know this one? The Bible says uh, there is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. In other words, the way you and I talk to each other can really pierce, hurt, cut, or the way you and I talk to each other can bring healing. Is that right? You think of any that they haven't got here? Death and life. Ooh, okay. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. 
my 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 uh, uh my my granny my granny she she would just shoot at you but we don't usually carry a pistol the way she did right you know, she 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 went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law and you probably wouldn't do that i mean some of you are probably back in cuz we do have texans in here um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you wouldn't probably shoot at each other necessarily. You wouldn't pull out a pistol probably and shoot at each other. We would know better than that. Uh, but what we can do is we we often will just open our mouth and shoot at each other, right? Yeah. So that's a good verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is there one more? Is there one more? Oh, we got two more, three more. Yes, sir. That's a good verse. A, good. a word of gold. fitly spoken is like... Apples, Apples of, of gold, gold and, and pictures, pictures of, of silver. silver. I have no Very idea good. what that means, but that's a cool verse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it means they're pretty. It means they're beautiful. Yes. It does. But I remember the first time I read that verse, I was like, run that by me again. Uh, <laughs> that's a great verse. A word. Uh, uh, well, yes. Apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's, that's where we are. I saw two more over here. Yes, sir. Way back there. Amen. Amen. Boy, our tongues are powerful, aren't they? Did I see one more hand over here? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Have you ever noticed that the Bible says a lot about our tongues? And you know, God's been good to us, hasn't he? Amen. How many of y'all are saved? Aren't you thankful for the gift of salvation? And aren't you thankful for the gift of his word? And aren't you thankful for the gift of his church? And aren't you thankful for the gift of your spouse? Amen. I'm going to try that one again. <laughs> It's been a rough Thank you. Thank you. Retreat. I mean, that was, she, 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 but she came out, man. I mean, amen, amen, amen. Good. Better hang on to her. You better hang on to her. <laughs> Are you ready? How many of y'all are thankful for the gift of your spouse? Amen. There we go. That was better, wasn't it? That was a whole lot better. <laughs> and some of you never say amen. So there was your chance and you missed it. Uh, but uh, here's the whole deal. Has it ever dawned on you that one of the greatest gifts God gives to us is the gift of communication? that we have the ability to share our feelings and our hopes and our dreams and our hurts. And, and, and we, we share our hurts and our communication so we can bring healing to the, to the hurts. And it's just an incredible thing. The text I'd share with you this morning is James chapter 3, if you want to go there, because if it, the, the, the number one chapter that is devoted to the tongue, you know, is James chapter 3, right? And uh, it is a, is a phenomenal chapter. And, and there's, we're not going to take the time to read it all because we want to be very wise about time today. But you know that the major portion of the uh, chapter here in James chapter 3 is that, uh, you know, one of the biggest ways to make a mess of things is to talk, yeah. is what he's saying. And, and he said, um, the tongue in verse 5, for instance, he says, is a little member, but boy, it boasteth great things. And behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And he says in verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Uh, later there, he says, it defileth the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Um, he, he talks about in verse 7 that every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. In other words, what he's reminding the believers here is James is writing, James chapter 3, is that your tongue will get you in big trouble, and you can't tame it on your own. That's right which is why we have the Word of God, which is why we have the Holy Spirit, and we need help, don't we? Yes, sir? Uh, one of my old pastors preached a sermon one time, and I was saying, he titled it, The Little Red Devil Behind the White Picket Fence. 
A little red devil behind the white picket fence. <laughs> all right, preachers, write that down. There's your sermon Sunday morning, all right? <laughs> At least you got the title. You got to work on the sermon, but you got the title. And uh, notice, notice how now he kind of draws it all together in verse 9. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father. Therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude, similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree bear olive berries, my brethren, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. In other words, if my tongue's not right in all the areas, it's not right in any of them. You you ever notice uh, here earlier in James, he said this. You ever read this verse? Uh, James chapter 1, he said, um, If any man among you seemeth to be religious, y'all know that verse? We kind of do, don't we? We kind of do, don't we? I mean, look at each other. It's Saturday morning, and it's just after 8.30, and y'all sitting in a service hearing somebody teach God's Word at 8.30 on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Are y'all with me on this? We seem to be religious, don't we? And yet the Bible says, if any man seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, his religion is vain. So I can go to church and fake it. Y'all with me on this? Yeah. I can go to church and fake it, but I can't fake it at home. You with me on that? And so God wants it together all the time. God wants you to have a sweet marriage and serve in the church. He wants it all a package deal so that you're not a real spiritual church and a jerk at home. Right. We're not gracious to everybody at church, but treat each other rudely at home. Is this making sense? Yes. So this is James 3. And he goes on and he says, uh, uh, Who is a wise man? I'm in verse 13. And endued with knowledge, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But, but notice these contrasts. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. A lot of marriages uh, live in verses 14, 15, and 16, where there's envying and there's strife and there's confusion and there's evil works. But notice verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and it's peaceable, and it's gentle, and it's easy to be entreated, and it's full of mercy and good works, and it's without partiality, and it's without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. These are loaded verses, aren't they? We're talking about communication here. You know this, don't you? Good marriages don't just happen. They are built. We've said that a lot in this conference, this retreat. But uh, think about where we've been. It will take time to advance your marriage. Remember 1 Peter 3? To where I've got to study my spouse and know her, and she's got to study me and know me. We've got to come to an understanding of our differences and apply them. That takes a lifetime uh, because we're working through seasons of life and, and every season of our life we got to give it the time. And it's going to take right thinking. We, we talked a lot about that last night a long time. And uh, we, we're going to try to be a little shorter today. It was a little bit long last night. And then this morning, it will take time. Now, just a few things to get you going. Notice how different we are. Have you ever seen this one? A man's day versus a woman's day. There's a lot of truth in this, isn't there? I just I thought this one was great. And um, uh, no, notice how different we are. This will affect your communication, right? When you're that different, uh, look at this one. This one's great, too. Uh, I, uh, I, I love this one. It's not advancing. It's frozen. There we are. Uh, look, at, look at the difference of this one. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, not too much involved in a man there, but uh, there's a lot involved in a woman in there. And uh, this one I thought was funny, too. I just love this. 
That's, that's probably not very fair, but that, you got to look at that a little closely. Can you all see that? You all checking that out? Uh, you got to look a little closely there. And then here's just a couple of, uh, a, a couple of humors for you. Uh, I, I, I just thought these were a little funny. She says up there in the first one, closest to me, she says, my marriage is in trouble, Barbara. She says, you ever tried communicating with a hammerhead? And I, I don't know, I thought that was funny. The other one there just made me chuckle. You told me to hang your mother's picture in the hallway. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> these, these will get you in trouble, won't they? And uh, I don't even know if I can see that one there. Uh, let's see. He's handsome, sincere, uh, generous, intelligent, supportive, patient, successful. And she lists all strong, funny, energetic, thoughtful, sensitive, and kind, but sometimes leaves the cap off the toothpaste. And uh, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but you know what? Little things make a huge issue in a marriage, don't they? And I like that one over there, that couple's eating together. And, I do show my emotions. When I burp in a higher octave, it means I'm happy. <laughs> I was like, no, that's, that's good. Y'all will like this one, too. Here's a, little, here's a little one for you. She says, apparently I've done, he said, apparently I've done something to upset you. <laughs> he said, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And uh, <laughs> see the barbed wire on the ground there? And... Uh, and, uh, but yep, yep, that's a, that's a great one, isn't it? So let's just, let's just jump off from there, a little bit of humor for you. Let's jump off from there, and let's talk about, uh, if we have time, we'll do four areas that are, that are essential with our conversation, all right? And let's start right here. This is, this is obvious, but let's start right here and talk about love and respect. Uh, we have to learn to communicate love and respect in our marriages. This is essential. So let's, let's, let's cover it here, all right? Two, two, two sides of this coin. My responsibility is to communicate to Bethlehem Joy love. That's my job. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, doesn't it? Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. That's, that's a huge command for husbands. Men, do you know why you're supposed to love your wife? Because number one, it tempers your headship. You're to love your wife because you are the head of the home and everything about the head of the home is tempered by love. In other words, if you're a redneck dictator, you're also not right with God. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of men in the church can come to this place. Where I'll just tell you right now, bless God, I'm the head of this home. Uh, well, you just prove that you're not. Because, because all headship, all leadership in the home from a husband's perspective is tempered by love. So the reason you're to love your wife is because that tempers your leadership. But the other reason you're to love your wife is, think about this now, she has to follow you. You think about that. Be honest, brothers, would you want to follow you? And probably for most of us, the answer is, are you kidding me? I don't want to follow me. I don't want to follow me at all. But here's what God has given me. God's given me as the husband, he's given me this gift called communication. And so one of the things I use to show my wife I love her is communication. It's in how I, how I talk. It's in how I even express things. Uh, every man ought to be pretty good at saying to his wife, I love you. You say that. That's where it all starts, isn't it? I love you. And there's all kinds of things that happen. Some men, you know, well, I wasn't raised that way. There are some guys that have never been around. A, daddy wasn't loving, or maybe daddy was completely absent. Or a- absent. But men, you've got to master this. You've got to learn to open your mouth and communicate love. And, and it's not just a matter of saying it, but that's a good place to start. I love you. When I say I love you, that's, that's me obeying God and using my communication to build my marriage. Bethlehem Joy, I love you. I love you. And you say, well, I just never, it's just not me. Well, then work on it. 
Uh, tomorrow when you're shaving or brushing your teeth, you know, while you're looking yourself in the mirror there, work on it. You know, just you, you know, you're alone there in the bathroom, you're, you know, shaving, work on it. Look at yourself in the mirror and go, hey, big boy, I love you. <laughs> and uh, see your work and learn how to communicate those feelings of love. And uh, hey, you stallion, you. Uh, my friend Dave Hardy said, every time I look in the mirror, I'm looking at the man I love. And, uh, and that's really biblically true. We do look at the man we're loving. And so you got to say it. I mean, are you good at that? Are you good at saying I love you? you got to I have to communicate to Bethany. My responsibility is to let her know with my words that I love her. And uh, we're going to tie that again here in a moment. We're going to tie that in with leadership. But let's just start here with love. That's a simple one for me. And uh, what's the lady got to do? We show respect. And ladies, in our culture, um, it is promoted that love is unconditional, but respect must be what? Earned. And that is not the command in the Bible. It is not the command. It is commanded that we respect our husbands. Actually, the verse says, reverence your husband. It's in verse 33 of Ephesians chapter five. And we talked about this yesterday in our session that reverencing, reverencing your husband is holding him in awe. I am in such awe of you. You are an amazing man. Like looking out the huge windows of our house and watching my husband work in the yard and saying, wow, I'm married to that. I'm That's gonna flex amazing. From now on, when I work out in the yard, <laughs> <laughs> it could be any area, but showing him respect, and it goes back to our thinking. What are you focused on, ladies? Are you focused on the little things that irritate you? Like uh, we talked this morning, I talked to somebody about the socks in the floor. Are you irritated about that, or are you focusing on all of the things that he does that are? awesome and showing him respect, not just in your attitude, but actually letting it come out of your mouth. You can actually say the words, I respect you. I respect you for that decision. I think that was a great decision. I love you. Yes, but I respect you. I think you're awesome. I think that was amazing what you just did. I love the way you handle our children and, and it could go on and on. Yep. And, and that's the same way we do it, men. We look for reasons. We look for reasons to be in love with our wife. And, and, and you, you look for reasons to say it, to build her with love, to say, I, where she's saying, I respect the way you learn to say, I love the way I love the way you handle the children. I love the way you take care of the house. I, I, I love the way you smile at me across the room. I love the way you text me. I, I love the way you drive my car. I love um, the way. <laughs> I don't know where I don't that one think came he's from. Ever said that. <laughs> Must have been a good one. <laughs> but you're looking for ways. You're looking for ways to show love and respect. And here's what God's given you to do that. He's given you your words. And uh, you know um, um, these things. These things can be so distracting in our culture. To you know, I just want to sit and veg and scroll. I just want to sit and turn on a, on a, you know, give me a remote. I just want to sit there. There's nothing wrong with those at times, but don't allow those things to prevent you from showing love and respect with your words. Love and respect have to be said. Is that fair? It does have to be shown. And, and boy, isn't that, a, isn't that a powerful, we talked last night about wrong thinking. Isn't that huge how the world has taught us? You know what? Uh, husbands ought to love me unconditionally. But respect has to be earned. Did you did you notice how that connects to last night? Wrong thinking, and and yet God's word says no. That's no way to live, husbands. You love her unconditionally, 
Wives, you respect him unconditionally, and let's just work at that because that'll fix your thinking. When I work at loving her, loving her, loving her, the more I show it with my words, the more I feel love. And the more she shows respect to me, the more she feels respect. And when you put those two together, wow, your marriage starts glowing. It's like, wow, we got something great going on here. I was even going to say that um, it, not always, if you are having incredible issues in your marriage, you can feel like you're doing all that you can do and it doesn't seem to help. And, and there is hope and help for that. Mm-hmm. There is counsel for that. And if you're having that kind of issue, then please get help. But I would also say, ladies, sometimes we think our husband isn't acting all that respectable. Um, not David. He is always respectable. But sometimes we can think that way and we don't want to show him that reverence, to show him that awe. But I will tell you that when it comes out of your mouth and you find something that you can respect and be in awe of, of your husband, it, it just builds him in such a way that he is just like, you know what? Yes, I can step up. I can be the loving leader that I need to be. And he, he can be more respectable. It almost feeds something that your husband needs to, in order to make him that way. I don't even know if I'm making sense that way, but it feeds that respect that he needs. And he is so burdened by the world. Ladies, when your husband steps out the door, there is not a lot of respect there. Maybe he does get respect on his job, but as far as our culture goes, men are not getting a lot of respect. And if they get it in their home and they get it fed all the time, what an amazing thing. He just has a great place to go to and he knows that he has a treasure in you because you respect him. That's really good. So love and respect. Y'all with us on that one? You have to you have to say it. You have to use your words to say it. And look for reasons to show love, gentlemen. Look for reasons to show respect. That ties in with this point here. And this is leadership and submission. Now, uh, we have to master the art of communication for men to properly lead and women to properly submit. Did you know it takes communication? And, uh, and, and I think of it in, in, in terms like this. All right, we'll just put it up here, and then I'll talk a little bit, and then Bethany will talk a little bit. Husbands have to communicate expectations and direction. Now, husbands, write this down in your heart. Your job in the home, in the marriage, is to love and lead. You've read that in Ephesians 5, haven't you? Husbands, love your wives, he says, for the husband is the head of the wife. What he's saying is, is that husbands, you are responsible to show love, to be love to your wife, and you're responsible to lead your wife and your family. You're responsible. And here's what God gave you to do that with. He gave you the, the, the ability to talk. And, and your communication is the essential ingredient in whether or not you're going to be the head of your home. So husbands, uh, you have to communicate expectations and direction. Uh, in, in other words, so many times uh, we are like Adam in the garden. As far as I can tell in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent came to Eve and the serpent enticed Eve to disobey God, every indication in Genesis is that Adam was there. Adam was there. He heard the conversation. Adam was there and he watched Eve take of the fruit. Adam was there and she offered it to him and he said, okay, I will too. Adam was there. The problem with Adam was he was silent. If I understand the New Testament teaching about the Garden of Eden, Adam could have prevented what happened. He could have said, no. 
He could have taken the stand and fought. He could have been the head of the home that God designed him to be. Guys, be honest with, with this. Just, let's just be honest with each other for a moment. Isn't one of the things we battle is silence? Isn't that one of our huge issues? We're just silent. We don't want to deal with issues. We don't, we, don't, we don't want to take the initiative. Fine, you know. And, and oftentimes, sometimes it's because, wives, uh, you, you move so much faster than we do in, in your mental capacity that sometimes it's just easier to let you do it. Oh, fine. You already got the answer, so go with it. But, but ladies, uh, this, is, this is so essential for you to understand as well. Your husband's mind does move slower. God designed him that way, maybe because sometimes if we go too fast, we're hasty and we, make, we have a greater propensity to make mistakes in haste. So God slowed your husband's brain down because he's to be the head of the home. God slowed his thinking processes down because he's got to think it through. And if you're a Christian, you're thinking it through biblically and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to come to a biblical consensus under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to the Word of God and give you an understanding of what needs to be done in your marriage and family, then you communicate that verbally and you got something beautiful. And, and think about that. What is the expectation when it comes to your finances in your home? Leadership communicates that. Leadership says, this is how much money we're going to spend at the grocery store. Can we shoot for this? And, you know, leadership doesn't have to be, uh, you know, hard and fast. Can there be a leeway of, you know, 10 or 15 bucks? Well, why not? And the way the economy's going, you probably ought to up that budget when it comes to food. And, uh, and, and, and it's, but you've got to be wise about it, but you communicate that. You communicate direction. Are, are you as a husband uh, listening to your wife's heart about where she needs direction? Because sometimes my wife, my wife is just sharing. She just needs to share because she's designed by God to do that. And so she's like, you know, the kids did this, and the kids did this, and the kids did this, and homeschool did this, and so-and-so did this, and this. And she's just sharing, sharing, sharing. And, and I'm, I'm taking it all in. But sometimes what she's sharing is the Holy Spirit saying to me, all right, all right, you gotta, you got you to gotta help with that because your son's not showing respect to his mom. Uh, you gotta, you got to help with that because that, that we need to do better as a family with that. And, and husband, it's not that you don't you don't jump on the bandwagon. Every don't are you men this way? Every time you jump on the bandwagon, it messes things up real bad, doesn't it? Do you, you ever respond emotionally? You start feeling the angst because your wife's sharing something. You're like, you know, I'm just telling you what we're going to do about that. I'm going to kill me a kid. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, it doesn't solve anything, does it? But what you do is you step back and you say, wow, uh, you know, my wife's really frustrated about something involving our children here. And I'm supposed to be the head of this home. So I communicate expectations and directions. Men, men, this is one of the hardest things you're going to do as a man because the culture we live in says you shouldn't do it. Your sin nature says just be silent. You combine those two things together, we're in trouble. Our sin nature said, don't you say nothing. You really mess things up. The culture you live in says you don't have the right to say anything because you're a guy and and, 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 and they just treat us with contempt. That's our culture. So your sin nature and the culture around you is not on your side about this. But God is, Amen. and the Word of God is, and the Holy Spirit is. So, man, you got to pray, and you got to walk with God, and you got to say, God, how can I use my words to lead in this family? And, you know, uh, frequently when my wife is sharing her heart with me, she doesn't need an answer. She needs to get it out. This is the most amazing thing in the world to me. I hold things in to deal with it. She lets things out to deal with it. Uh, I, I know I've told this way too many times, but we had a date several uh, months ago, and um, 
uh, is a full day for both of us. We were very busy. We were home, but we had a very busy day and a date night plan. And so um, I ran in from a busy day and, and, and we got ready at the end of a busy day. And then we got in our car, our SUV, and we're going to go over to Pensacola. We have to cross the Escambia Bay. It's about 20 minutes over there. And so we got on I-10. We run down to the interstate, get on I-10. We're going to go over to Pensacola and have a date. And I get in the car. And I remember backing out of our driveway. And I said to my wife, so how was your day? <laughs> and I just, it was a casual comment. I'm backing out. We're going on a date. We're all dressed up. We're going to go out and have a date. How was your day? And for the next, I think it was probably 50 minutes at least, for the next 15 minutes, she unloaded her day. And it was a tough day. And I, I remember thinking this. I remember I'm driving along and she's some of the homeschool and the kids and, 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 and I'm driving, going on a date. And the longer she talks, the more I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, my, my, I'm just getting a little uptight. I'm like, are you kidding me? What in the world's going on in our family? And, uh, and I'm just I'm driving and I'm like, you know, and I'm just, just going to be quite a date night. Mm-hmm. And we're on the bridge. I remember this. We're going across the Escambia Bay. I love that part of our trip because I love water. I love, the, I love the bay. I love the Gulf of Mexico. I love it. We're getting ready to cross. The, we're going across the bay. And then Bethany reaches over and she touches my hand like this. And she goes, thank you so much. I feel so much better. <laughs> and I was like, me too. <laughs> you know. Okay, but, but here's what I learned from that. I, I learned from that. She's not me and I'm not her. She needs to get it all out. Let her. But as a husband, you're continually walking in the spirit, looking at God's word and saying, how, how can, what are we supposed to do as husbands in Ephesians 4? We're to be like Jesus. And what does Jesus do to us? He washes us by the water of his word. He's working in us so that we're a glorious bride. Uh, he, he's, he's trying to make his church his glorious bride. How, do you, how does Jesus do that? He takes his word. Here's how Jesus does it. He takes his word and he gives us his word and says, if you'll learn to live by my word and let my spirit help you to live it, you become a glorious, beautiful bride. Jesus does that for us. And husbands, you know what the Bible's saying here? You've got to learn to talk to your wife in such a way that you are always helping her to grow, to to become beautiful in Christ. You take the burdens off of her with your leadership. Don't, Don't let your wife carry the burden of having to discipline the children. Don't let her carry that burden. She doesn't need to handle that emotional, oh my word, our children. You, you set the tone for that. You say, this is what we're going to do about this situation, and I'm going to do it for you. Don't let her carry burdens she doesn't have to carry. You are a man. And you say to her, you know what, honey? You don't have to handle that. I'm going to handle that. And you sit your children down, and you say, from now on, when your mom speaks to you, you're going to say, yes, sir, and you're going to say, or you're going to say, yes, ma'am, and you're going to say, no, ma'am, and you're going to respond first and fast, and you're going to do it with a happy face and a happy heart, and if you don't, I'm going to, rain, I'm going to cloud up and rain all over you. And, and I'm going to make sure you're going to do what's right. In our family, you're going to show your mom respect. What am I doing there? I'm just taking the burden off of her and my leadership. And, and if she's struggling in an area, I'm to know that. And I'm, 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 I'm to pray with her. And pray for her. And I'm to lead her. And, and, and I'm to give her wisdom when she needs it. Husbands, you say, well, I'm not qualified for that. She's smarter than I am. Well, I know. And, uh, and, and she's, well, she's better looking than I am. Well, duh. Uh, you can give all kinds of excuses. Or you can say, you know, Lord, you call me to love Bethley Joy. You call me to love my wife. You call me to lead in my home. And I'm going to communicate expectations and direction for our home. And you do it like this. You say, you know, sweetheart, 
I, I know you've been a little frustrated about our children. And, and um, let's try this. Why don't we handle these situations from now on like this? And, and when you're starting to fill up tight, you know, because the kids are just out of control and you just don't feel like you want to deal with it, then, then you say to the kids, you know what, here's the issue. And when daddy gets home, he's going to take care of that. And see, you don't have to carry that burden. Now, I don't know what it is in your marriage because, see, we're all different seasons of life. But whatever your season of life is, husband, you're to know your wife and know her burdens and know her concerns and know her frustrations. And you're to lead her, uh, take the pressure off of her, take the burden off of her so that, that she can be free to, to, to serve the Lord and love the Lord without all those pressures that God designed you to carry. See, you're the stronger. You're the man. God designed you with a, a different mental capacity, the way you think. You think differently, so he wants you to carry the burden because you can work through the burden in your mind, whereas she can become really frustrated in hers. you got to help. So communicate a budget. Do you even do that? Uh, communicate how to handle the children. Do you even do that? Communicate when you're going to have family devotions. Uh, see, you're leading. Communicate when you're going to pray together. Uh, don't, don't let your wife be the one to get up on a Sunday morning and decide whether or not you're going to go to church. You're the head of the home. You're the head. So you're the one. You get up and, and get yourself in a happy frame of mind and go in the kid's room and get them out of bed happily. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And, uh, and they'll love you for it. <laughs> and uh, get them up with a song in your heart. You don't have to do that. But if you don't have to say, turn on some music and make it happy. Give them a little hand clapping. Give them something to clap to, and their heart can get happy too. And get them ready. Your wife's, you know, she's got to do her hair. You don't. <laughs> she's got to do makeup. You don't. So you get up on Sunday morning, get yourself ready, and get the baby out of bed and diaper the baby and lotion that baby up with baby lotion and powder that baby real good and, and, uh, and then diaper and then change the diaper again. And, uh, and but see, listen, lead. And you do that with your words. You got to show. Okay. I said enough. So how about submission, love? <laughs> it takes communication, ladies, but it, it takes us being careful about verbalizing when we are going to submit to our husbands. As far as I can tell, there's, um, this is a real simplification, so um, every marriage is unique, but there are two types of leaders. There's an active leader and a passive leader. I am married to active leader. He's the man with the plan. And I could think in my flesh, you didn't even talk the plan over with me. And now we have to execute this plan. And he sees, you know, the end goal. And I see everything it's going to take to get to that end goal. And sometimes it's overwhelming. And I think um, we needed to have a conversation about this instead of, boom, here's the plan. Now, my sister is married to a passive leader. He's a plan as we go. And my sister's a redhead. That says it all. And she, <laughs> she's Sorry, <brother>. very strong. <laughs> she's very strong. And she, they're missionaries in India. And she can think, I, I need a plan. Someone needs to plan something. We need a plan. We need a plan. We need a plan. You know, and she could in her flesh. James is like, what's a plan? Yeah. <laughs> We're good, babe. We're good. Um, she could just take over. So no matter whatever style of leadership your husband has, the Bible commands all of us wives to submit. So it may be that we need to be careful about verbalizing, taking over, give him time to come up with the plan. 
Give him time to communicate to you. And if you are still wondering, what are we going to do? We need to do this tomorrow. And I still don't know what we're supposed to do. Ask questions. Hey, sweetheart, what, what can we do here? What would you like me to be preparing for this huge event that's happening tomorrow? <laughs> or if your husband is the man with the plan, be careful about right away. This is my, oh, ladies, this is my difficulty. <laughs> he says, hey, we're going to do this. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, we can't because this is nope. And this is wrong. And this, and oh, this is going to go wrong. And nope, nope, nope. And by the time I get done, he's like, man, that was a really stupid plan. I mean, that's how he feels. And I don't want him to feel that way. It's not, it's not a bad plan. It's just, I see all of the details. So what I need to do is be careful. And, and this is my, my phrase. That's a great idea. <laughs> but on the inside, I'm like, Meh. and then later I can say, Hey, can we talk about this? I'm a little concerned about how I'm going to get this done, get this done, get this done as we execute whatever this plan is. So ladies, be careful about verbalizing, but make sure you are verbalizing. You know what? Sometimes we're like, well, I'm not going to say a word, but we're stomping around and we're throwing things around. And our husband is like, okay, she doesn't like the plan. <laughs> so he knows. Our brains are slow, but we pick yes. up on some things. <laughs> yes. So be quick to verbalize, this is a good idea, and I'm behind you, babe. This is good. And then if you have concerns, ask questions. Ask questions. And I've learned this too. We, we do a lot of this talking on our morning walk. We've told you about that. So we have planned communication times. And it's not like, all right, you got the next 30 minutes. It's not that kind of it. It's just that we walk every morning, and that's a chance where it's just undivided. We leave the phones at the house. We don't carry our phones on this walk. We take a dog, but she doesn't usually interrupt us. And uh, so we, we take our morning walk. And sometimes I bring up the, the plan. You know, I'm communicating the expectation, the direction. I, I mean, something as simple. This one came up some time ago where I was like, hey, you know, it's a beautiful day. Let's cancel school and go to the beach today. We're homeschoolers, so we can cancel if we want to. We'll call it a field trip. And... Uh, <laughs> So let's cancel school and go to the beach today. And, uh, and you know, and, and my wife, it is, it is her God, you know, it is her nature it would be her nature to see all the, uh, yeah, but, 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 you know, we, we got a pack and, and I got chicken out that's thawing. And, and, uh, so we're going to, are we going to come back and do the chicken that's thawing or do I need to put that back in the freezer? Uh, you know, we, we, the kids are still in bed, so we got to get the kids up and there's some, still some, who's are we going to do the household chores or forget the household chores? And, and so I've learned as my wife and I are growing through this together that, that my wife will be like, well, that's a great idea. And then there is silence for the next, you know, quarter of a mile. <laughs> and, and my brain has started learning. She's processing how to bring up the what ifs and the what works. <laughs> And see, here, see, you you can take these different issues and how God made us, and let those frustrate the daylights out of you. Yeah. You're like, oh my word, for crying out loud, my husband's always got a plan. <laughs> or say, you can say, you know what? Uh, this is how my husband is, and I want to learn how to submit to the husband God gave to me. So here's how I can make that happen. You see how this is working? And 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 some of your wives are more passive. Some of your wives are more apt to just sit back and well, I mean, whatever. But some of your wives feel pretty strongly about things. 
And see, <laughs> apparently there's a lot of wives here that feel pretty strongly about things. Uh, but but if, if your wife, you know, my wife does feel very strongly. But at the same time, we have met ladies that are just like, oh, whatever. You know, well, praise the Lord. I'll pack us a picnic lunch and put the chicken in the freezer. And and uh, just, you know, nothing bothers them. But But we're all different. It's not a matter of saying, well, you ought to be like this. You ought to be like this. No, God designed you to be who you are. Yeah. You are who you are, but but husbands, in who you are, whether you're passive or 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 the plan, you have to show that in your love and leadership, and and whether you are passive or aggressive as a wife, you have to show that in your submission, and the and the gift God gave you to do that is your is your is your is your communication, and so take advantage of this, and don't let it become a a, a roll your eyes and a and a sigh and and a, psh, my soul. Uh, don't don't let it become that. Don't let it become that. Uh, if, if nothing else, at least understand this and let it become a little bit of a humor to you. See, you know, it's easier for us to sit here and tell you about it and laugh about it than in the moment to laugh about it. But if we have a little bit of a sense of humor and we're we're like, isn't that great? You know, she just said, I- "I'm married to the man with the plan," and we can kind of chuckle about that. But she could also be like, "Oh, can you believe it? My husband." Do you see how this is all combining together? We take the time to understand each other. We take the time to think right. And that all spills over into how we communicate. Is this making sense? You see how we're trying to combine all of this together in a package deal? All right. Anything else about leadership and submission? Are we? Just that it does need to be communicated. Husbands, if you want your wife to follow you, she needs to know where she's going. So it needs to be communicated. And wives, if you want your husband to know that you reverence him, you respect him, and you submit to him, it does need to be communicated. All right. I think we have time to get at least one more here, and then we'll just throw the last one at you and be done. Um, one more area we got to talk about is a big one. When it comes to communication, we got to talk about conflict resolution. How many of y'all ever have conflict in your marriage? Is that Are we all on the same page about that one? Anybody here ever have that? And uh, here's our, our goal. Focus on this. Uh, our goal is not to, uh, to avoid conflict, Sometimes we wish there were no conflict. Our goal is not to avoid it. Our goal is to handle it in a healthy way. If you'll understand this, this will help you. The goal is not conflict avoidance. The goal is healthy conflict resolution. And and the Bible wants to help us with this. We can learn healthy conflict resolution. Let me just put this on the screen. I'll give you a moment to write it down. And uh, handling conflicts in a healthy way involves four things, all right? If some of you are taking a photo of the screen or writing it down, it involves a goal, it involves essentials, it involves emotion, it involves priority. How many of you know that the silent treatment doesn't work? Do you all know that? Um, I, I, I pulled it up here a moment ago, so I have to find it again. I, I saw a, a friend of mine posted a story on his wall the other day on Facebook and it's called when giving each other the silent treatment doesn't end well. It's pretty little, just a short little thing here. A married couple had a quarrel that ended with each other getting the silent treatment. A week into their mute argument, the man had to get up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting. Not wanting to be the first one to break the silence, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me at 5 a.m. The next morning, he woke up at 9 a.m., and his flight had long since departed. He was about to confront his wife when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed. It read, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> now that's kind of silly, isn't it? Silent treatment doesn't work. 
So conflict is going to come to your marriage. Just be ready for that. You're going to have times you're, you're, you're two sinners married to each other. When two sinners are married to each other, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be some issues along the way. One, one guy said to me after one of our conferences, our retreats, he was like, my wife and I have been married 19 years and we ain't never had a crossword. And I was like, why aren't you two living together? Are you kidding me? You know, if, if you've been married 19 years, there's never been a crossword. Somebody's dead. Y'all, y'all with me on that? Because when you put two sinners together, you got all kinds of potential for there to be problems. Are, are we good about this? So here's God's plan. You go to the Bible and you find that the goal of a conflict is reconciliation. What's the goal? When, you, when your wife doesn't see things eye to eye with you, what's the goal? Reconciliation. J- Jesus says that in so many ways, doesn't he? If you go to the altar and you bring a gift to the altar and you remember, oh, I have something against somebody. In this illustration, my wife. He said, leave your gift right here and go make it right. On the other hand, if you get to the altar, you remember, oh, somebody has something against me. You leave your gift to the altar. You say, who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna, who's gonna break first? Who's going to give first? And Jesus said, well, it doesn't matter. Give. If you're the one right, give. If you're the one wrong, give. Uh, why? So you can be reconciled. Every conflict can be handled in a healthy way if your goal is, all right, let's take care of this. And let's get reconciled again so we're madly in love and and uh, we're, we're all's, all's good. All's good. This is how to fight fair, all right? This is how you fight fair. Your goal is reconciliation. The essentials, repentance and forgiveness. The essentials. How many of you ever find this in your marriage? Often when Beth and I have a disagreement, we have a conflict, by the time it's over, the answer is, I'm sorry. And the answer is, I'm sorry too. Because quite frequently, conflict has two sides and both are a little wrong. Now, sometimes it's just one-sided. Sometimes I'm the idiot and I blew it and I knew I did. And so it's a matter of saying, you know what? I don't have an excuse and I, I, I'm sorry. And, and, and will you forgive me? See, But the goal is repentance. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. The issue is forgiveness. Uh, repentance and forgiveness is, is the essentials. Does that make sense to you? And notice that... Our goal is reconciliation. The essentials, repentance, and forgiveness have to be communicated. Um, uh, here's another one I, I found the other day. Uh, a good apology involves three R's, uh, four R's. Responsibility, I know I hurt your feelings. Regret, I feel terrible that I hurt you. Remedy, I won't do it again. Request, please forgive me. And you could add a fifth one. Response, I forgive you. Five R's there. Responsible. I know I hurt your feelings. Regret. I feel terrible that I hurt you. Remedy. I won't do it again. Request. Please forgive me. Response. I forgive you. Now, somebody says, yeah, but I'm not ready to forgive yet. I'm not ready to forgive yet. Ladies, sometimes maybe the way God designed you, uh, that might be a bigger deal. But for us men, we can be there too, right? Not, I'm not ready to forgive. My feelings aren't lined up with my forgiveness here. Has that ever happened in your life? You forgive anyway doesn't mean you for feel it. You forgive even if you don't feel it. And, and you know, it's going to take a little time before my feelings get happy again. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, I'm sorry, I, I did you wrong. Do you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Praise God, life is great. No, because our feelings are still out of whack, which leads us to that next point, emotion. The goal of a conflict is in the emotion there's no sin. Here's how the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. You, you know this one? Be angry and do what? 
He doesn't say be angry and blow up. Be angry and raise your voice. Be angry and punch the wall. Be angry and do something stupid. Doesn't say that. Be angry and drive fast. He says, be angry and sin not. In other words, we're all emotional. And and, and brothers and sisters, in your emotion, you've got to make sure that your emotion is without sin. You can't do that on your own. Which is why the Bible says, who was it that quoted our verse a moment ago? Uh, A soft answer turneth away wrath. Maybe, Maybe the point there is that when you have a fight, whisper it. Whisper all your disagreements. I am so mad at you. <laughs> now, honestly, there's a sense in which that'd be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> if yes, you have you children, are. you already know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We go to the we 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 call it behind closed doors. So, uh, behind closed doors, go to the bedroom, close the door, and and lower your voice. Lower your voice. Whisper your disagreement. I, I told you we read books all the time. Be careful with this one. But I was reading, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even tell you this. But it was in a book I read. And, uh, and, and the one book I read, the, this one couple said that when they have massive disagreements, they decide to fight naked. I mean, I don't know if you should do that or not. <laughs> and uh, so if you're having real trouble, That's try that one. That's a great idea. <laughs> And if you're going to do that, make sure the door is closed, all right? Um, but yes. but, but the, the, was, I think it was a silly thing they were saying just to be funny. But the fact of the matter is, uh, emotions are part of conflicts, aren't they? You hurt my feelings. I am so mad. But the Bible wants you to know that you got to do it without sin. You need the Holy Spirit's help. And, and he gives you some help there when he says, a soft answer. You say to the Holy Spirit, help me to lower my voice. Lowering your voice draws attention to the seriousness. It also diffuses the situation. You notice what, how, how our world handles emotion? Bethley was at the airport the other day. Where was that? You were flying somewhere. You were... Charlotte. Was it in Charlotte that the guy was yelling? Oh, that was in Atlanta. Atlanta? So Beth is in Atlanta the other day getting on an airplane, checking, actually checking in her luggage. So she's out in the lobby getting her luggage checked in. You know, she's at the kiosk. And all of a sudden she hears yelling. And you know, our culture, this is like, everybody stops. Because there was a man in the airport who was absolutely mad. He came pushing his way, knocking people out of the way. His emotion had taken over. And you could hear it in his voice because his voice was loud. Everybody knew it. Security guards were on high alert, I'm sure. Bethy didn't think they were on high enough alert. She thought somebody should have been tackled and subdued. And instead they watched him. I'm kind of on her side about that. A guy yelling in the airport, somebody ought to tackle him and subdue him, you know. And, uh, but, but the point is that you can do that in your marriage. You can raise your voice. But the Bible says, here's how you handle conflicts. You, you, you set the right goal. We want to make this right with each other. You, you work on repentance and forgiveness. I'm sorry. I have no excuse. And even try this one. I was wrong. Just, just pra- write it down and, and practice it. I had this in my notes <laughs> some weeks ago. 
<laughs> I had it written down because in one of my sessions, I was saying, say it like this. And I had it quotes, say it like this. I had it written out. And my wife and I were at home and, and we were having a little conflict. And we just weren't able to solve it. Partially, I guess, because we're busy and we were also tired. We'd been just been crazy and just weren't solving this conflict. And I was frustrated and she was frustrated. And, and, um, and so I came down the hallway later and I went to my desk in our bedroom and my notes were right there. <laughs> my wife had taken a pen and circled it. <laughs> and she put arrows. <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I remember I walk in the bedroom and I look and I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. I know, I know, but I'm not ready. Okay. Um, but, but it really is that simple to say, you know what? I was wrong. I know I made you feel that way. Guys, that's a big one for us because we want to deal in black and white as a man. I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. You, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Doesn't matter. It's what she heard. I've learned that. She heard it. That's how she felt it. Okay. So here's what I have to do. I have to acknowledge the perception, right? I have to say, Bethlehem, I know I made you feel that way. In my own heart, I'm going, that's not what I meant. But it's about her, not me here. See, I know I made you feel that way. And this was, this one's awkward for me too. I've had to learn to, to be okay with this. I'm sorry. I made you feel that way. Will you forgive me for making you feel that way? That was what was in my notes. And you know what? It, it's true. It's true. That's, that's all I have to do. See, this is, this is how you handle it in a, in a healthy way. That last one, priority, is just to listen. How often you guys have conflict and, and you jump in over top of each other to, you know, no, no, yes, no, 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 no. Make this your priority. Listen patiently. So like we go down a car, we get an, I, I put it in reverse. How was your day? And she's unloading quite a day. And you know what? I did it right. I listened. I just listened to her day. Now, this was not a conflict. This was just her sharing a day, but it, it gives us an illustration here. As I just listened to Bethley pour her heart out about all of this, the fact of the matter is, listening patiently helped this situation. Husbands, sometimes all you need to do is listen patiently. And, and wives, sometimes you need to help him with that. One of the great things Bethy does for me is when she says, I don't want you to fix this. I just want to share something with you. I make a mental note in my brain. Don't say anything, just Listen. Let her share it. And my dad taught me. <laughs> my dad is not communicative at all. Is that, is that a fair statement? So my mom will just yak, 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 yak at my dad. And my dad will go, well, <laughs> they. I don't know what they means, but that's what he says. They. Well. <laughs> but you know what he's doing there I think it's my dad's way of just making sure he's just listening and letting her know I'm just listening I mean I don't know why he says they they you know it cracks me up <laughs> he just does <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he just, he's just funny that way and uh, my mom can talk the paint off the wall um, 
And uh, so she just yaks, 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 yaks. We'll do that in a conflict. Any, any, anything I'm overlooking here? I, I, I covered a lot of the territory, but. I, I would just um, interject that sometimes ladies, when we are in conflict resolution, we make it more difficult because we do have a plethora of words and we make the conflict um, not the goal. It sounds more to our husbands that we are attacking him personally. And so we, we talk about, we, we talked about, I think in a, f- a former session about bringing up things from years ago or weeks ago or whatever. And in our minds, in our hearts, they are tied together. It's the same thing. You did this three months ago and you did it again. And our husband is like, I thought we were over that when we talked about that one, you know? So it sounds like, more of an attack against them personally instead of dealing with the conflict. So ladies, this is what we need to do before talking with our husbands about an issue. We need to get alone with God. We need to talk to him. We need to find out, do I have a personal failure here? Is this me just being wacky woman here and it's not him at all? Um, it, it can be so many things. We could do a whole session on this, but just getting alone with God and asking him, Lord, is it me? Do I need to change? Okay. No, this really is an issue that I need to bring up with David. Help me to focus on the issue at hand, to not be degrading in my words, to not make him feel that I'm attacking him. And, and, going through this list here. My goal is not to make him feel bad because he made me feel bad. My goal is reconciliation. How can we get past this and make us stronger and working on repentance and forgiveness? Because ladies, a lot of times, even if it's your husband that has hurt your feelings, there's probably something that you've been said in the midst of trying to solve that conflict that you need to repent for too and ask for forgiveness and then being careful how you're sharing it. And then to listen to his side, you know, sometimes when our husband starts to talk, you're like, did you even hear what I said? Are we talking the same language here? Because this is what I said. And you're, I don't know what you're saying, but, (laughs) and so you just want to listen patiently, ask the Lord to help you to be understanding. Makes sense. Okay. That's a conflict resolution. It's one of the most important reasons God gave you communication. And uh, sometimes we have an issue in a marriage or maybe your issue has gone too far to the point that it's a bigger deal than a moment of conflict resolution can help. And I want to tell you a couple of things about that. If you need long-term restorative help, get it. Titus 2 says, sometimes, ladies, there's an issue in your marriage and the only help is to go to somebody outside the marriage, an older lady, and let her walk with you and help you to grow so you can overcome that. The same thing applies to us men. And sometimes as a couple in the church, we're like, well, we don't want to admit we're having trouble because what would people think about us? Stop it. Stop it. The church is a place where we can always hurt out loud. And so you can go and get help. And if you need it, get help. If, if what we're talking about here is like, you know, they're, they're forgive grammar. There ain't no way that's going to work in our marriage. Then it may be that you need counseling it may be the way you were raised is still affecting your marriage. Something that happened in your family years ago because your dad or mom or 
maybe maybe there, I mean, God forbid, but maybe there was an abusive situation or something like that. My point is, Bethy and I are trying to tell you when 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 you have a healthy relationship to God and you're emotionally healthy yourself, you can follow these ways and you can really grow in the Lord and have an amazing marriage. But sometimes emotionally, we're not as healthy as we ought to be. And it's not that it's not that that it's always your fault. Uh, we are the product of our upbringing. We are the product of our experiences and we are the product of the life we live. And, and so some of you may be, be here and I'm saying it gently. It may be a man in this room and you do have some, just some unhealthy emotional baggage. And, 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 and this is not going to work as far as you just deciding, you know what, I'm just going to ignore that. If you need counsel, get it. And if you need help, get it. So we want to add that caveat and we'll close with one more area. All right. Can we leave this one? I'm just going to skip these and jump to this one. Um, this one right here, uh, it's got to catch up here, I think. <laughs> there we go. Let's, let's just close with this one. You know, communication is the key to enjoying life. And in other words, uh, here's how we used to say it in one of our conferences, we used to say, make sure that uh, you have a fun, flirty, happy relationship. Use your communication. Have a fun, flirty, happy relationship. You're married. We had this couple that we knew years ago. And, um, and, and they were kind of a, a different couple, uh, well, very different from us, because uh, Bethany and I, uh, we would always sit in church and we'd hold hands and, and we were always teasing each other in a happy, flirty way and, and, uh, and all. And this one day, uh, this uh, guy, uh, this friend of ours, he said to us, you two disgust us <laughs> and something to that effect. And he said, we're not that way at all. We don't do that hubby, you know, that huggy, lovey-dovey, touchy <laughs> That ain't us. We're not that way at all. And um, a year later, I saw him, and I was with a group of people. We were in a church kind of meeting. We were with a group of people, and I hadn't seen him in a year. And he always harassed me. I mean, he was just a big teaser joker. And he came walking across the parking lot by himself, and we're surrounded by all these people that we all knew, these mutual friends. And here he comes across the parking lot, and so I just thought, I'll just jump in and be the first one to get this, this thing going because he's always all over me. So I was like, well, look at you by yourself. I said, uh, what's the matter? Your wife won't be seen with you in public anymore? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and it got deathly silent. Because apparently Beth and I were the only ones there who knew, didn't know that his wife had left him. And we saw her a few weeks later. And um, she was with another man. And, uh, and you know what? They, they were kind of... Fun, flirty, happy little couple. You know what? What, I, what I'm trying to say to you is this. You don't have to be me and Beth Lee, and we don't have to be you, but, but our communication is the key to enjoying life. When you build each other up and you're happy with each other and you're like, hey, you handsome stallion, you. Uh, when you. When you build each other up. Uh, Beth and I were in the kitchen some months ago, and our neighbor's granddaughter came over. She spent a summer living with her grandparents, and she stayed at our house a lot of that time. Just 14-year-old girl, didn't know how to dress well. I had teenage boys at the time, and we were a little uneasy about her. Like, you know, she needs to put some clothes on kind of thing, and she's hanging around our house. And my son came in one day, and he was like, well, I reckon we're going to have to win her to Jesus, aren't we? <laughs> and I said, I reckon we are. So we did. We yeah. won her to Jesus. She was in our kitchen, and I flirted with Bethley. I didn't hear what I said. It was, it was G. The whole family was there. Rated G. 
And uh, but I flirted with Beth a little bit, and I remember what she said. Our, our neighbor's granddaughter. She was like, "Oh my word, are you people for real?" And she goes, "Act like you're in love or something." She was very sarcastic, but then she said, "This, my parents aren't that way at all." You know what our parents were doing that summer? Getting a divorce. And that's why she was at our neighbor's house. Listen, you may never get a divorce, and I hope you never do. But I sure hope that you'll up the ante if you're going to be married. Make it really happy, amazing, and flirty. Amen. Just just build each other up. Just say, you know, you are you are twice the men I married, big guy. <laughs> and uh, just build him up. Say, I uh, had no idea when I married you. I had no idea when I married you, your bald head would be so beautiful. You know. Build each other up. You know, you look stunning in those glasses that we now have to wear. Build each other up. And, and have a fun, flirty, happy relationship. Right? Anything you'd add to that? Come on. <laughs> Jump right in here, baby. <laughs> a fun, flirty. Y'all okay with that statement? When's the last time you flirted with each other? I mean, make it good. How many of y'all have teenagers? You have teenagers? Oh, yeah. Do your teens ever read your texts? Do your teens ever read your texts? Break them. Yeah. You know, you, you know they're going to read the text, so send a good one. Yeah. My, my kids would pick up my mom's, or Bethley's phone, their mom's phone, and read my text. Hey, mom, dad said, you know, he's like, watch this. <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh, a mom, dad, dad texted. <laughs> My parents do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, how'd you think you got here? <laughs> what? Because we were playing checkers. Let me just tell you. Uh, but see, have a happy, fun, flirty relationship. And uh, that's incredible. That, that makes life worth living. Are y'all just happily married? Now, look, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we come to the place in our marriage where we can't. And if you're coming to the end of this retreat and, and you're awkward about this because you don't have a, the potential for a happy, fun, flirty marriage, don't let it go any further. Well, if you need help, get it. We're all growing. Get help. If you don't know where to turn, Belty and I can point you in the right direction. Sometimes we can just point you to a book that if you really will take the time to read it can, can help you with issues in your life. There's a ton of books out there to help us. There's a ton of counselors out there to help us. We don't do professional. There's a podcast out there to help you. <laughs> a little shameless plug there for keeping it young. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, we do pastoral counseling. Uh, sometimes you need professional counseling. And if pastoral counseling takes care of it, then get pastoral counseling. But if you need deeper, more professional, then get it. Because God's on your side. And Belty and I came to this retreat to tell you, God wants you to win in your marriage. And you know our goal? Our goal is to get old together. And uh, we, we're, 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 we're in our 50s now. How long are we to have lived? I don't know. My grandpa's still alive, and he's 96. Baby, you got a few more years here to handle this man. If I take after Papa, after my grandpa, he just got saved four years ago. 
And uh, I didn't know him, you know, but he came to Christ and we met him when I was just 20 years ago. We met him, got to know him, led him to Jesus. He finally got saved after 18 and a half years of prayer. He's 92 when he got saved. And I keep telling people, he, he, he's 96. We're trying to get him to heaven and he won't go. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he just keeps hanging around. Uh, so I don't know how long we're going to live. But if, you know, life is is allows us, you know, do we have 20 more years, 30 more years? 30 years from now, I'll be 82. And wouldn't it be amazing when I'm 82 if y'all run into me in Bethlehem and, and that's like, wow, they're in love. You know, it'd be great here. I'm on my walker going, come here, baby doll. <laughs> Give me a smooch. You, you can grow old, cantankerous, and frustrated life, or you can grow together into something sweet and amazing. May God help you to do it. Ready for prayer? Let's have prayer together. and You pray for you. Pray for each other, and then they're going to come. We'll have brunch, and you can hit the road. Let's have prayer together. Our loving Heavenly Father, Bethany and I have come to share our heart and your word with our friends here. And there's needs all over the room because all of us are just uh, uh, battling our sin nature and, and, and continually putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And Lord, every day of our lives, we need you to continue that work of creating in us the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's true, Lord. It's going to take a lot of time. We don't like that as Americans. We want it now. We want our problems to be easy. We want life to be simple. Lord, help us to leave here aware of the fact that it's going to take an investment of time, really a lifetime. And help us to leave here aware of the fact that our thinking does have to be right. Even as just Christians, we have to think your word in a culture like ours. We have to think truth in a culture that is, is literally bent on destroying truth. And we certainly have to apply that in our marriage. And dear Father, help us in this area. Help every man in this room to master the art of communication in his love and in his leadership and in his role of, of helping to resolve conflicts and, and help every lady to do the same. Bless our marriages. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your grace and your peace and your wisdom. And dear Lord, may every one of us have sweet, loving, amazing marriages. And I pray these things, O oh God, in the name of our Savior Jesus and your Son Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. It is our prayer that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have never experienced salvation through Christ alone, would you please reach out to us? You can contact us through our website at www.southlandcamp.org or call our camp office at 318-894-9154. See you next time on the Southland Podcast.